Coming into this season, many of us thought that the depth of this Kings roster would be a strength for this team this year. Well, here we are in mid-January, and the reality is this roster is far too shallow. Maybe that should change our overall approach to this upcoming trade deadline. I'll explain as the Kings lose to the Philadelphia 76ers 112-93 to right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections, get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And let's be honest, even without Joel Embiid, the Sacramento Kings, quite frankly, were no match for the Philadelphia 76ers tonight and there's so many different ways of course many of them negative that we could approach this game talk about this game break down this game but tonight to me felt like a continuation of a lot of problems but one of the major problems that is made perfectly evident by Mike Brown's rotations and the inconsistency of his rotations seemingly over the last month but for a good portion of this season it's the depth of this Kings team Sacramento has a core four that we all know about, right? It's De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Keegan Murray, and Malik Monk has worked himself into that core four. Other than that, the rest of this roster is, is filled with guys that we believe on paper should be able to help this Kings team win. Much of this roster was part of the team last year that had the most historic offense in NBA history that broke the playoff drought. But of course, the Kings are looking for more than just making it to the first round again. The Kings are looking for more than just being an exciting team because they're not catching anybody by surprise this year the way that they did last year. This roster is not deep. To call it depth is the correct term, but doesn't describe what this Kings roster is. In reality, it sure as hell looks like at this point that Sacramento's roster is far too shallow. I would go as far as to say the Kings really only have five reliable players on this roster consistently. Now, with that core four specifically, if the Kings, uh, like matching up against the Sacramento Kings, I think it's pretty easy at this point in time to, to kind of figure out how to disrupt them, right? If you can find a way to make it so at least two of the core four struggle, you put yourself in a good position to win. If you can get three or more of that core four, uh, four to struggle, you are absolutely going to win. The Kings are incredibly dangerous when three out of the four are playing well. The Kings are damn near unstoppable when four out of the four are playing well. And then you look at the depth of this roster. You look at the Kevin Herters. You look at the Harrison Barneses. You look at the uh, Sasha Vizenkovs and players like that off the bench. Even Trey Lyles. You look at those guys and you go, if, if you get average to slightly above average from a few of these guys, Sacramento is in a pretty good position. What the Kings and Mike Brown is asking of this roster really isn't that much. We laid it out 
a lot after the Kings win over Charlotte. On the defensive end, it's active and engaged. And then on the offensive end, it's hitting open shots and taking advantage of how the defense is reacting to that core four, mainly Sabonis and De'Aaron. But here you are, the Kings, another night where they struggle because many of the core four struggled. And to be honest with you, they don't get a pass, right? In the next segment, I'm going to talk a lot about how the core four really struggled tonight. And it was inexcusable in so many ways from definitely the top two guys in Fox and Sabonis. We're going to get to that too. Don't misunderstand me starting the podcast by talking about the depth of this roster or lack thereof. By me, that is me giving everybody else a pass or, or brushing their struggles and their shortcomings under the rug. And also understand very clearly too that a lot of these issues that I'm laying out, a lot of these issues that we're going to discuss with this depth and the lack of reliability from this overall roster, that also falls on Mike Brown, who is clearly trying to make changes, but has so often adjusted his rotations and adjusted his lineups that guys haven't really been able to get into a rhythm. And some of these guys really truly don't look like they understand what their role is, even though Mike tells us that before the season started, everybody established their roles and spoke about their roles or shared their roles publicly to the rest of the team so they would be held accountable. Let's run down this roster really quick. And we're going to talk, we're going to run through this roster and talk about which guys have been reliable and which guys haven't been reliable this season. This, this roster is in alphabetical order. So that means we start with Harrison Barnes. Do I really need to say if he's been reliable or unreliable? Another night, HB disappears. He had four points, 21 minutes of action, grabbed two rebounds. That was it. No assists. Like, Harrison Barnes has been completely unreliable. And I will put both hands up here, and I will admit that when the Sacramento Kings re-signed him this offseason, I told you repeatedly here on the Locked On Kings podcast that was a good move for the Kings. I'm glad Harrison Barnes is back. I'm wrong. It's, I've been wrong. With the exception of a handful of good games now and then, he had a pretty decent stretch in December where he was hitting threes and scoring in the double digits on a on a, a fairly nightly basis. He had that really, really good game against the Utah Jazz to open up the season. But so many times, even in wins, Harrison Barnes has completely disappeared. The reliability with Harrison comes in his ability to stay healthy and to play, which is important from a starter. But you don't know what Harrison is going to give you on, uh, on any given night. And unfortunately, far too many times, he's giving you literally nothing. No, Harrison Barnes has not been a reliable piece of this Kings roster. Chris Duarte, he's gotten opportunities as a starter with the exception of one game, which is the first game, I think it was against Orlando. He hasn't done much tonight. One point, played less than 10 minutes. Supposed to be this defensive impactful player who can also space the floor and knock down threes. Tonight, he goes 0 of 1 from three-point range. Defensively, I didn't see really any impact that he made and haven't seen beyond a flash here or there for the time that he's played this season. There was a, a time not too long ago where he'd completely fallen out of the rotation altogether. Chris Duarte, unreliable. Kessler Edwards. Some people are calling for Kessler Edwards to play more because can he really be worse than what some of these guys have done and how they've been playing? I don't know. But we know Kessler Edwards is arguably, right now, one of the better defenders on this roster. That's one of his massive or major strengths. And yet... He still can't get playing time. So what does that say? Is he that bad on the offensive end? Is his defense overhyped? Is he just not a good fit? Kessler Edwards seemingly is unreliable. 
Keon Ellis. This is one that I think falls on Mike Brown a little bit because Keon carved a role out for himself, right? He worked his way back in. Then he fell out of the lineup. He got hurt. Davion Mitchell took over. He took the, the, the spot back from Davion Mitchell again and then lost it to Davion Mitchell again. I think part of that was honestly the Kings giving Mitchell some opportunities to maybe showcase a little more trade value to help move on from him. And Keon is, I don't know if he's in the doghouse or what it is, but Keon's been inconsistently in and out of the rotation over the last handful of weeks. Maybe he hasn't separated himself from the pack as much as Mike wants him to, but more often than not, when Keon has played, I thought he's been doing good things. So if we're giving Keon the unreliable label, I think Mike is largely to blame for that. I think Keon is more on the side of reliable than he is unreliable, but it's reliable within reason, right? We're talking about a two-way player. We're talking about someone who can come in and, and, and make the right plays. Is he going to be a massive difference maker for the Sacramento Kings in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. But I want to put Keon in the reliable category, and I'll say the same thing about Alex Len. I want to put Alex Len in the reliable category because typically when they play, more often than not, good things are happening. But they're not playing as much as maybe they should. And again, I think a lot of that falls on Mike Brown. Jordan Ford, two-way player in Stockton. We don't really have to talk about him. De'Aaron Fox, of course, he's reliable. He's sucking right now. We'll talk about De'Aaron and how much he's struggling uh, in, in next segment. But De'Aaron Fox, of course, we know, reliable. Kevin Herter, unreliable. Your starting two guard, lost his job. Has looked like a shell of himself offensively. Defensively, has not been able to consistently rise to the occasion of what the Kings are looking for. He had that spike early in the season where he was doing good crashing the glass and grabbing boards. That seems to have disappeared, unfortunately, he got hurt very early in that Charlotte game, was not available tonight for the Kings in, in Philadelphia, and maybe Sacramento could have used him because they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat, especially from three-point range tonight. But Kevin Herter has been unreliable this year. He's regressed. Again, I put some of that on Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown, in some ways, by asking for what he's asking for, I think Mike has shaken and shattered the confidence of Kevin to a certain extent because Kevin was really good, really impactful, and really important for the Sacramento Kings last season. Granted, in the playoffs, he did not play, and he did not shoot well. And that was a major shortcoming for the Kings. So if Mike is ask, if it's appropriate what Mike is asking from Kevin, which I think it is, asking Kevin to be better just like he's asking everybody else to be better beyond just shooting the basketball or scoring, I think that's a fair demand of Mike Brown. And I think we can then turn a critical eye on Kevin with how he's handled it. But at the same time, too, to demand so much and focus so much on what he's not doing or what you need more out of him to the point where it has such a drastic impact on the positives that he gives you, which is that red velvet three-point shooting that this Kings team definitely needs. Mike Brown's to blame for that as well. Uh, Colby Jones, as of right now, unreliable just because he's a rookie. He's a rookie in a second-round draft pick. He's gotten opportunities to play tonight. He got the opportunity to play in the second or the first quarter. Unfortunately, picked up some quick fouls. Didn't play too much after that. Colby Jones played eight minutes, 48 seconds tonight. I think Colby Jones can be a good piece for Sacramento going forward. But he's a rookie. And the Kings don't have time to slowly bring rookies along, right? The Kings are trying to win right now. So kind of a, a, a to be determined. But as of right now, because he's a rookie, he's unreliable. Alex Len, just like I mentioned, I want to say he's reliable because when he plays, I think he's the best backup center on this Kings roster. It's not even close to me between him and JaVale McGee. And yet sometimes Mike goes to JaVale over Alex Len, which I just don't understand. So again, criticism falls on Mike Brown here. 
Alex Lynn, I think, can be reliable if he gets the consistent playing time. But as of right now, because he's not getting that, he hasn't been a reliable piece for the Kings consistently. Trey Lyles, I put him in the reliable category. It sucks that he missed the early part of this season and missed so many games to start the season with injury. But more often than not, Trey Lyles makes the right plays. Tonight, he played 21, nearly 22 minutes, 2 of 8 from the field, 1 of 5 from three-point range. Wasn't his best shooting performance, but get in line. The Kings, in general, struggled shooting the basketball tonight. But Trey Lyles is, to me, the fifth. Outside of the core four, he is the fifth most reliable player on this roster. He knows his role. He provides what he provides off the bench. Everybody knows what Trey Lyles is supposed to do when he's on the floor, and more often than not, he does it, and he provides it for this Kings team. Trey Lyles, to me, is reliable. JaVale McGee, absolutely not reliable. Brought in for rim protection. He's behind Malik Monk in blocks, and Sabonis, too. He's a fun a lob threat for, for Malik Monk to throw lobs to. Other than that, that's about all he does. Unreliable, JaVale McGee. Davion Mitchell, completely unreliable. And this is one of the biggest... Like, if we're looking at why we thought this roster should be deeper than it is and it's as shallow as it is, you have to look at a guy like Davion Mitchell who was supposed to be better. This is Davion's third season. He's supposed to take a leap, right? What can Davion be with that amazing on-ball defense that off-night can provide, but getting more of a comfortable role with the offense? Davion Mitchell completely looks lost with this Kings team. He looks like a terrible fit, and he looks like he's more than on his way out. The Kings played 12 players in the first half of this game as Mike was desperately searching for someone to give him something he looked at 12 different guys Davion Mitchell was not one of the 12 tells you everything you need to know about Davion Malik Monk he is reliable Mr. Six Man he is absolutely reliable at this point though Malik Monk might as well be freaking starting he might as well because the Kings slow starts offensively more often than not at least recently they've been really really frustrating and a lot of that comes from the fact that their two guard is not giving them anything offensively, period. I don't know. I like, just give Malik Monk starting a try, Mike. Try it. And if it really, truly impacts your second unit as badly as you think it's going to, show us that it does. But as of right now, these slow, it doesn't matter how good your second unit's playing when they're coming in down 10 every freaking game. Start Malik Monk, please. Keegan Murray, absolutely reliable. In his second year, is going to continue to get better. Demonis Sabonis, of course, absolutely reliable. Had a bad game tonight. We'll talk about that. But he's a triple-double machine. Then there's Jalen Slauson. He's a, a two-way player rookie. Juan Toscano-Anderson on a 10-day contract. Who cares? Like, Mike is going to him a lot just because I think Mike is happy to have some sort of defensive wing presence. But I wouldn't say that Juan Toscano-Anderson is doing good. He's just playing, I guess. And then there's Sasha Vizenkov, who, if I'm Sasha, and I know Sasha Vizenkov fans because I see them in my comment section, are frustrated. They're pissed off. Hey, this is a EuroLeague MVP. He comes over to Sacramento, and you can't play him consistently. You can't find time to work Sasha Vizenkov in. I hear you. I echo that sentiment. I've said that before here on this podcast. But Sasha's unreliable. He clearly hasn't earned the trust and the faith of, of, of Mike Brown. He comes in tonight. He played... His first stretch, I think he only played, yeah, eight and a half minutes. His first stretch, he turned the ball over, airballed his first three of the game right when he came in, like missed a layup. Like, Sasha did not look good tonight. Granted, he might be struggling to, to, to find his consistency and to find how to be impactful because Mike Brown is not playing him. But again, I go back to when I asked Mike before a Kings home game a couple weeks ago. I asked Mike, why isn't Sasha playing? And he basically told me nobody is separating themselves from the pack. 
The pack is not the end of the bench. The pack is not the 10th man onward. The pack right now is the sixth onward. The core four and Trey Lyles. Five guys that you can call reliable at this point in time, and two of them come off the bench. It's a problem for Mike. It's a problem for this roster as a whole. And maybe, just maybe, we've had our approach to this trade deadline that's coming up here all wrong. We've looked at Pascal Siakam. I've looked at Michael Bridges. Looked at these. Where's that fourth star that the Kings can go out and get and plug into Fox and Sabonis and Monk and Murray and look out? This team is a contender. Where is that guy? I still think the Kings are and should be looking for him. But at the same time, too, maybe the Kings should sacrifice that massive move, that massive marquee blockbuster trade, and instead use Herter and Barnes and Mitchell and damn near anybody outside of that core four and Trey Lyles to find some freaking rotational and depth help. If Alex Caruso is the best guy that the Kings were to go out and get in at the trade deadline, I hope he's not the only guy, but if he's the best guy to go out and get, I understand it, because I think Alex Caruso could come in here, start at the two tomorrow, and help this Kings team. That's a, that's a less flashy, less exciting, but a player that the Kings could potentially go out and use. And there are guys like that all over the league that maybe that's what Monty is looking for now. Not so much the Siakams and Kyle Kuzmas, but the Carusos and those role players and those depth pieces that can give this core four a little bit of consistent help. But that core four tonight, I, I can find negative things to say about all of them. I'll run through the core four and how they perform, but specifically De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis tonight were not good. I'll talk about them here in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by my very good friends over at Sackyard Community Tap House. Sackyard is a phenomenal place to go and watch Sacramento Kings basketball. I know, especially during the wintertime, sometimes just our couches, the coziness of our home or coziness of our apartment, it, it seems like the best place that we can watch a Kings game. Well, I'm telling you, community is such an important word, not just for Sackyard Community Tap House. It's intentional that it's in their name, but community is an important word for all of Sacramento, the Sacramento Kings community, the fan base, because we are better and we have more fun when we are together. Sackyard Community Tap House, a great place for you to find your fellow Kings fans and watch a game with them. They have amazing selection of beers on tap. They're cycling out all sorts of amazing beers for you to try and for you to enjoy. They have local wines uh, for you as well. They have food trucks there all the time for you to grab a bite to eat as well. They're perfect year round. They have an outdoor patio that has fire pits during the winter when it's cold. They have misters during the summer when it's warm. They have live events, music, and things like that there all of the time. And if you go and decide to watch a Sacramento Kings game at Sackyard, make sure you mention Locked On Kings because you'll get a 10% discount or 10% off of your tab for that night. It's a killer deal. Hey, if you haven't checked out Sackyard yet and are looking for an excuse to go, February 13th, two days after Super Bowl Sunday, it's a Tuesday, Kings and Sons on national television. I will be there for our second Locked on Kings watch party. We'll watch the Kings hopefully beat the Suns. Last time we watched the Kings beat the Lakers. It was a great time. We had that place packed. You don't have to buy any tickets or anything. Just show up, grab a drink, and have fun watching the Kings win with your fellow Kings fans. Sackyard Community Tap House is your home of the Locked on Kings listener. Tonight's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape the 
crazy realities and struggles of normal life, right? I understand that. I appreciate that. I'm right there with you. But can we talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics in the middle of one of the worst flu seasons in history. It's scary, right? There's sickness left and right. And you, as COVID told us, as, as any flu season tells us or any sick time tells us, we need that those antibiotics. We need those things that can help us get through. I can't even imagine having a, a or my son, Arthur, or my wife, Brittany, being sick. And I'm just standing there staring at them, not knowing how to help them because the antibiotics and things that I need to help them, they're not available because there's a back order or whatever the reason may be. That's, situa that's something that's happening far too often right now. But I don't have to worry about that anymore because I have Jace Medical's Jace case. It's a pack of five different antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial infections, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us at any given time. Visit jacemedical.com, complete your, uh, your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never more important to be prepared than today. Visit jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Like I said, the Kings core four, they don't get a pass. Certainly not tonight. And we're going to focus mainly on the main two guys, De'Aaron Fox and Demontis Sabonis. De'Aaron Fox tonight, 21 points, 5 of 15 from the field, 9 of 11 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. Yes, he led the Sacramento Kings in scoring, but De'Aaron Fox is nowhere near the MVP Fox that we were talking about and celebrating on almost a nightly basis here on Locked on Kings to start the season. I don't know if he's hit a wall. I don't know if he's playing banged up. I don't know if he is struggling like many others are struggling with the fact that the Sacramento Kings are playing four games in five nights every week, it seems like, at this point. The schedule has been brutal for Sacramento recently, and I sympathize with tired legs. I get that. Look, I'm tired running to my refrigerator during a commercial break, so I'm not one here to tell you, hey, be in better physical condition. You're paid millions of dollars. I'm not saying anything like that. But... If De'Aaron Fox is cleared to play, De'Aaron Fox is cleared to play. And this has to be better. He is going through the motions right now. He's not, we don't see that Fox burst. We've seen him because that three-point shot has become more reliable, although recently it's not falling at the clip it was a, a, a month ago. But because that three-point shot has become more reliable, we're seeing Fox get downhill and attack the basket less and less. I also think, I don't think he's feeling great. Right, I think he's taken too many bumps. He hurt his ankle earlier this season. He got his hip banged up against Charlotte. Like, De'Aaron is getting beat up. And maybe he's less inclined to attack the basket and go amongst the trees and the big players in the paint because he's getting so beat up. I understand that, and I hear that to some extent. But clearly, the MVP, De'Aaron Fox, from earlier this season is nowhere to be found right now. And I think that also is a large impact on the inconsistency of this Kings team. Now, fortunately for him... Demondis Sabonis has been really, really good lately. Keegan Murray is starting to step up. Demondis Sabonis tonight, 14 points, 12 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 turnovers. He's turning the ball over way too much. He's way too loose with the basketball. Everybody's swiping at him, and it's causing far too many turnovers over this uh, the, the last month, at least. But tonight, when the Philadelphia 76ers are missing Joel Embiid, and Paul Reed is the guy that Sabonis is matched up against. We're all looking at this game and going, oh, this is a Sabonis night. 
Oh, yeah. No Embiid down there to clog the paint. Sabonis, who the hell's Paul Reed? Go to freaking work, my man. You've been on a tear as of late. You're uh, seemingly a triple-double machine almost every single night. Like, this is a Sabonis. Like, the table is set for Domas to dominate. Midway through the second quarter, Demontis Sabonis had zero points and three fouls. Sabonis didn't get going. Fox really didn't get going. The Kings had nothing going inside of the three-point line and were chucking far too many threes. They went 8 of 38, 21% from three-point range tonight. Sabonis, you cannot get that outworked by the 76ers without Joel Embiid. I don't care about the circumstances. I don't care that their players like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and other guys stepped up. I don't care that Mo Bamba is still a lengthy force around the rim that you have to be worried about. Go right in somebody's chest. Go up with aggression. I did not see that tonight from Sabonis. I saw that at times from De'Aaron Fox. I'm happy that Fox got to the free throw line 11 times. But like the, the, those two did a terrible job even trying to set the tone tonight. They were gliding, they were coasting, and the rest of the team goes as they go. And then you have Keegan Murray, who I thought tried to establish himself early, still only finished with 15 points, disappeared in the second half, went 6 of 14 from the field, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Love that rebound number from Keegan. He's trying at least. He's trying to play aggressive. And in the first half, nobody was really meeting him. Second half, like I said, he, he kind of went MIA. Malik Monk, 15 points. 5 of 17 from the field, 4 assists, 2 steals. Malik had some bad moments in this game as well. All four of them did. Right? When your core four is giving you 21, 14, 15, and 15, I'm not saying the Kings can't win with the four of them putting up those offensive numbers and those scoring numbers. They can, but they, they can if they're getting another 12 and 10 and 9 off of the bench with good rebounding and some good defense. I thought Sacramento defensively wasn't terrible tonight. I thought they fouled too much. I also think the officials gave a, a favorable whistle to the, the 76ers, especially in the first quarter. But ultimately, like, I didn't think the Kings' defense was terrible. The fact that the Sacramento Kings were within 14 points heading into the fourth quarter. Now, they didn't make it any closer than that. They didn't do a damn thing with the game being that close. But they still had a chance to win this game because the defense was at least decent. And Joel Embiid wasn't playing. But that leads me to, like, I think the Kings have gotten too far away from their offensive identity. If you were to ask me, Matt, what is the identity of this Kings team right now? I would tell you, I don't know. Because they're trying to make it a marriage of what they were with what they want to be, which is better defensively with that high-powered, exciting, fast-paced offense that runs teams out of gyms, right? But one is clearly impacting the other. There has to be a middle ground. And I, I, I talked about this a lot early in the season. I had major concerns that the Kings' focus defensively was taking too much away from the offense. Then the offense started to get going and quieted those concerns for a little bit. I'm not saying those concerns are completely back, but if you're looking at this entire season so far in a vacuum, the Kings are still eight games above 500. They're still a good basketball team. And yet, offensively, they have not looked like more than a couple games the way they looked last season. And defensively, if they're better, it's only marginal. There has to be a middle ground. Because, yes, the Sacramento Kings are winning. But when they're losing, they're getting their ass beat. And they look like a shell of themselves, right? And it's happening far too often. At this point, it's like two good games, one crap game. Two good games, one crap game. That's what it feels like it's been over the last two to three weeks for Sacramento. Tonight, the Kings shot 33% from the field, 21% from three-point range, 80% from the free-throw line. These numbers are from Frankie Cardicelli. 
The Kings are 4-12 and 12 this season when they shoot under 35% from the three-point line. Again, they shot 21% from three tonight. The Kings are 1-12 this season when shooting under 45% from the field. So what does that tell me? Even if the defense is better, and it has been better, marginally, but it has been better. Even when the defense is better. Like, this is, this is not, I mean, this is a duh statement. You ready for this? Common sense. You're not going to win if you don't score. And the Sacramento Kings, these numbers directly show you that even in games where the Kings might keep themselves in it because their defense is a little bit better, when offensively they aren't able to score, they aren't any get, able to get any kind of offensive rhythm, which is their primary strength, they struggle, they suck, they lose. Again, there has to be a middle ground. The defense can be better, but the offense has to look like what it was. And I think to some extent, what Mike Brown has been saying is absolutely right. The Kings aren't catching anyone by surprise anymore, right? Teams know that fourth quarter Fox is a thing. Teams know that, hey, if you put Sabonis in this situation or if you try and force Kevin Herter to shoot this or, or let uh, Harrison Barnes shoot open threes in the corner, more often than not, that gamble is going to work out. But still, Sacramento's offense was so much fun and so exciting that last year, it made the team, of course, more fun to watch. It made them far more dynamic. And it had some, some people saying, like, I know their defense sucks, but I don't know how you stop this group. Maybe they can make a run because you can't stop this group. As of right now, you can stop this Kings team. Many players or many teams have done it, including the Sixers tonight. And you can score on them because they're not going to stop you more often than not. I get Mike was willing and is willing to sacrifice a little bit of the offense to improve the defense. He said many times, I've asked him directly, and I've played that audio for you here on Locked on Kings multiple times throughout this season. I get he's willing to sacrifice a little to improve over here, but he's sacrificing too much of what the Kings do right for only marginal growth on what the Kings are doing wrong. Again, this is a team that's eight games over 500. It's not like they're eight games under and the season is ruined or the Kings are 500, right? But when the Kings are losing, they're losing poorly. And they're typically losing poorly against better teams. Better teams who are able to stop them offensively and, won't, and, and the Kings can't stop them on defense. Today's episode of Locked on Kings is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest and most fun daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The way Prize Picks works, you pick more or less than a prize pick stat projection on two to six players, right? So say it was Kings and 76ers tonight. Say you took the under on De'Aaron Fox for 27 and a half points. You took the over on Tobias Harris for 24 and a half points. And you took the under for DeMondis Zabonis for 13 and a half rebounds. I hope you're not doing too pessimistic like that. Although tonight you would have won money by doing that. More or less, that's what you take. More or less than points, rebounds, assists, combinations, turnovers, whatever it may be. There's so many different ways for you to play for different games. You can focus on just the game that you're watching. You can do a combination of different games around the NBA on any given night. You can do a combo of NBA and NFL games. A million ways to play on prize picks, and it's so much fun, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. You don't have to worry about the, the Sharks and the pros out there that are out there making money basically off of something that's supposed to be a hobby and supposed to be fun for you. If you're interested in giving prize picks a try, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use our code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100, meaning you deposit $100, they give you $100 on top of that. No questions asked right away. You deposit $50, you get $50. You deposit $25, you get $25. No matter what, 
Prize Picks will match it up to $100 when you first sign up and use that code Locked On NBA. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Now, as much as I am concerned about these consistent losses and these consistent depth issues that this Kings team is showing right now, and of course the struggles of the core four at times, the core four has looked good. At least they did in the first two games of the road trip. Granted, those two games were against the Detroit Pistons and the Charlotte Hornets. And I saw this reaction on social media, and I, I went to, to research to find if it's really true or not. I've seen this. The Kings suck against good teams, right? When the Kings play the best teams in the East or the best teams in the West, they're, they're terrible. They're losing. So I went and I looked. The Kings have played 18 games this season against teams with a 500 or better record right now. They are a even 9-9 nine and nine on the season. The Sacramento Kings are 500 against teams over 500. So they're average. They're right down the middle with teams that are up there with them in the league. Playoff teams, essentially. Against teams under 500, the teams that Sacramento should be beating, they're 14 and 6. Now, during all those six losses, it might feel like, oh my God, the Kings, how are they losing to these teams, right? They shouldn't be beating them. The Kings should be 20 and 0, not 14 and 6. He drops some games from time to time. But those numbers, the reason why the Kings are eight games over 500 is more often than not, they're winning the games against teams that they should be beating, sub 500 teams in the league. So that's positive. Against the top four teams in each conference, right? In the West, it's the T-Wolves, it's the Clippers, it's the, and this is not in order, T-Wolves, Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder. In the East, it's the Celtics, Bucks, Pacers, and 76ers. The Kings, in nine games against the top four teams in the East and West, they're four and five. So yes, they're one game under 500, but against the best teams in both conferences, Sacramento is still, they're, they're not over 500, of course. They're not winning, but they're close. They're holding their own, right? It's not like they're getting decimated. I'd be really concerned if they were 2-7 and seven or 1-8 and eight against those teams. They're not. They're 4-5. and five. Granted, they haven't played the Bucs, who they play next, and they haven't played the Indiana Pacers, who are right now are without Tyrese Halliburton, but they're still on an absolute tear. Uh, the Pacers are, are really fun. The Pacers are one of those teams that don't play a lick of defense, but play a lot of offense, and it's been working for them at least to this point. The Kings will play the Pacers on their first game after this road trip in Sacramento. Unfortunately, Tyrese will not be available for that game. But the Kings wrap up their road trip again with the Bucks on Sunday, which, based off of how this game against the 76ers went, and based off of, I don't see any answer on this roster for Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Dame Lillard and, 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 and Brooke Lopez. I mean, that team is just scary for the Kings to try and face. Like, I don't, I don't think the Kings are winning that game. And then the Phoenix Suns, the Kings are 2-0 against so far this season, but the Suns are a dangerous team that can beat you on any given night, right? So the Kings, maybe they find a way to end this road trip 3-2. I don't know if they celebrate that as a victory. I certainly would at this point. I'm glad they won the two games that they absolutely had to win on this road trip to start this road trip. But... They still have to find ways to play better and look more like themselves against the opponents that are on either the same tier than them or a tier above. That's still where this team is more often than not struggling. Six of the next 10 games for Sacramento are against teams above 500. So here's a, a good test for this Kings team. They're not playing good basketball right now, and a lot of teams they're facing are good teams. 
Do they end up tumbling in the standings a little bit? Or can they tread water and remain around 500 over those six games? Or can they find a way to wake the hell up and, and, and win more often than they lose and get back to that rhythm and get back to that Kings basketball level that we know they're capable of? Because they can beat anybody when they're playing the right way. They can't. They just aren't able to show it and haven't been able to show it at all consistently. Again, a lot of that falls on this Kings team having way too shallow of a roster at this point in time. What do you think about that? Let me know. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me. MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube. Let's talk about this roster. Talk about changes that need to be made. Obviously, you can't overhaul and, and trade away half of the roster like some of you I know want to, but not just who are you looking to get rid of, who are you looking to get back that's maybe not a star, maybe not a Kuzma, maybe not a Bridges, maybe not a Pascal Siakam, but a role player that could come in and you think make a difference and play the kind of basketball that Mike Brown is trying to get this team to play. If you have names, let's talk about them. Again, hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. I appreciate your support as always here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.